Hello awesome marketer. Let me ask you a question before we start today's episode. Are you looking to plan your content calendar more efficiently, save time across your team and publish social content like a pro? If so, you're in luck because Planable allows you to do this and much more. Planable is the content collaboration tool that makes it easy for marketing teams to preview, plan, approve and publish social media content six times faster for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Google My Business and TikTok, all in one place. So go to planable.io slash old school to find out more. Our podcast listeners will get 30% off for three months by using the coupon code old school after choosing the plan that fits your needs. Once again, go to www.planable.io slash old school and get 30% off for three months by using the coupon old school at checkout. I cannot wait to see you breezing through your content and your plan like a pro. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Welcome back, ladies and germs. Welcome back. Welcome back, Becca. Welcome back. <laughs> How are I'm we back. feeling? How are we feeling after being on stage? We're feeling good. We're feeling very happy. We're feeling a bit sad that it's over. It's one of those things that I feel like there's so much preparation and for weeks beforehand, you've got it, like this milestone in your head, like it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I've got to do this, got to do that. And then it's like blink of an eye and it's done, which is really nice, but also quite sad because it's like, oh, it's over. <laughs> and now we're but back to the now. virtual screens. Yes. <laughs> After seeing actual people. To be honest, you, you go to the office more than I do. So I I literally went, was an emergency in the house. So I had to go and work for an hour during a goddamn climb workshop in a cafe. And the cafe that I was going to go to was closed. So I had to go to another cafe that didn't have Wi-Fi. And I was like, I, I, I'm not made for working away from home anymore I need my wi-fi I need my quiet I need everything to be fine generally I was like oh my god why have I become I was like I can't work away from home no see I feel like I'm the opposite like I don't like working like cafes are great if they're super super crowded though I do get a bit panicky about the wi-fi when it starts to go up and down and you're like I, I need this solid connection right now but I like I like a little bit of background noise but when I went to the conference, I was a bit overwhelmed with just the amount of people. I was like, I'm not used to this at all. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about it. I'm I'm going to go and speak on, on Friday at the time of recording. So you, I will be done by then. I will be like super excited and fresh. But I'm going to uh, speak at a festival on Friday. And even I am like, it's going to be my first time being in front of a, around, not even in front, a lot of people again. So I think it feels weird. I think we've forgotten like how weird it feels to be around a lot of people, especially in those settings where 
kind of people are like, I'm on a mission and you're on a mission. And then everything feels like there's so much going on and you kind of get almost a bit like overwhelmed. So it is interesting how quickly we have unadapted to things. It's, um, it's, it's really strange. It's a nice transition because it makes me feel like normal again, but then it's just weird. And then I, I get my own brain in a bit of a loop when I think about like the before times. I'm like, I used to just be so used to this. This was like bread and butter. This was normal. How have I like unlearned that? And now I'm having to relearn what that's like. It's, it's a, yeah, it makes my brain hurt. <laughs> you want to know what else is going to make your brain hurt? Go on. Go on. Elon Musk not only is now shareholder of Twitter, he also decided to do the most uh, controversial poll in the history of polls that got everybody else at Twitter angry, I think and I believe. Did you see yeah. that in real life or afterwards when it happened? I didn't see it in real life. I saw it afterwards and I was really sad that I'd like missed the moment. And I was like, well, what, what is this? I'm supposed to be on social media all the time. And then I missed the good bits where everyone's like got their popcorn out. Did you actually, so you didn't even manage to vote, I guess, because it was too late. Or no. It's too late. I did. Do you want to guess what I did vote? What did you vote? I was tempted, but then I voted no. How how do you how do you feel about my choice of? I of... I feel very good about your choice. I feel like we can continue being friends because you said that. <laughs> wow! I mean, now it all comes out. It's like, what did you? So that's going to be a topic of conversation between social media people. So, what did you vote in the Twitter poll that yeah. Elon Musk did? Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Would you have voted no as well then? Yeah, I think so. I I. This whole thing about edit buttons, I sort of understand it because on other platforms, you know, if you've made some simple typo or what have you, you can just go and edit it and it is convenient to do that. But I feel like Twitter's just different and I I I find it hard to work out how they would allow for like things like typos to be corrected versus changing like the message of a tweet entirely or the intent or you know, manipulating it after people have already seen it and either liked it or commented. I don't know where that line would be. And I feel like that's quite a dangerous line. So especially the the way that people use Twitter, because it's so reactive and it's so instant versus LinkedIn, where it's a bit slower and people aren't generally going to use like a LinkedIn post as ammunition towards something. But I feel like people use Twitter very, very differently. And an edit button wouldn't be a good idea. So I would have voted, no, let's not have an edit button as well. <laughs> no, thanks. I think you raised a really good point. Uh, we forget, actually, that the audience on Twitter, I, th- I feel it is a bit different than some of the other audiences that we have there. I think that's, that's one of the things that we need to remember as well. I just feel that because it's a bit different than... As you said, there's still a, a not a majority, thankfully, but there's still a part of the audience that has got a bit more of that of that intent when they're on the platform and so it's a bit it's, it's it's a bit sad in the way that you were like you wish you could have you know the edit button because you wouldn't have to have that problem but as you say because it's very reactive because it's very linked into current events even more so than sometimes other platforms in the way that is is consumed it can be really hard 
And there's part of me that thinks whether Elon Musk decided then to reject its, like the board seat just because of that. And we didn't want to tell anyone because everybody was like so unimpressed with it. But it was really interesting. I mean, the whole Elon became a little like Twitter soap opera that I didn't know I needed in my life. That's pretty much how I felt when I watched it unfolding. I don't know if you then read the kind of what happened after that as well. Yeah, I've read bits and pieces of it. I It's just like a car crash happening in slow motion. <laughs> what do you think, though? Like, where do we go from here with Elon Musk? Like, I because mm, he's quite a prolific tweeter. Tweet, tweeter. Yes. And now I feel like, is he just going to change his behavior? Like, dare I say is some other platform gonna just pop out of nowhere now I don't know like it makes me feel very uncertain and weird about Twitter's like reputation right now I was gonna say I think that's the thing as well is almost we forget actually how you know I'm gonna say something contentious again we have the contentious hat on when you think about what Instagram and Meta did obviously where Mark Zuckerberg when I was gonna have Zuckbucks Maybe we'll talk about that in the future because uh, the idea of having like, you know what, in the metaverse, you can have the Mark Zuckerberg coins. I'm like, do I need that? I'm not sure. So despite this this weird kind of like branding stunt, um, I still find that it's very clever from Instagram not to have as the main person, as spokesperson, Mark Zuckerberg anymore. We have good old Adam. And in a way, I feel there's a more approachable feeling to that for the creators and almost like there's less suspicious around them than if you had good old Mark coming up and say, hi, friends, we changed things again. You almost kind of, I mean, you still cringe when you see Adam Mosseri coming up because you're like, what is going to change now? Aside from that. So that's kind of what, what I was thinking when you said about the reputation. I'm like, well, you associate Meta and Facebook and Instagram with Mark Zuckerberg and then they tried to change the narrative on Instagram so is now Elon Musk being going to be associated with Twitter as the platform and has the brains behind it and how is that going to affect not just the decisions that are going to be made because obviously he's a shareholder but also the way that people kind of see the platform and I feel a bit bad because I felt it was just getting into a new interesting direction I don't want that to change right now. I completely agree I think I'd rather he wasn't kind of the face of Twitter because like you say, I mean, we've made a joke of it over the last few months about how many updates Twitter push out and every week there's something new and it's like, well, Twitter slow down, but actually it's been quite good because it does show that, you know, there's a kind of belief in the platform and as a marketer, it makes you feel like, okay, we can invest time into this. It's not going to go away anytime soon, which sometimes with other platforms, if you were asked, like, where do you think? this will be in a year's time or five years time it can feel like well don't know twitter feels kind of safer in that respect um but i do question yeah how people are going to view twitter where updates are going to come from what impact this will have had and also i question obviously we always have our sort of marketing hats on when we're talking about this but like for your just your average casual twitter user Will they be aware of everything that's happened? And how will this, when that filters down to those Twitter users, what impact will that have? Will people make a judgment sort of at face value and go, oh, I don't want to be involved with this. I want to not use Twitter anymore. Or will it not bother them at all? 
I think that's something that we kind of get swept up in in this industry is having these big personas and being so like invested in the updates and everything and we can lose sight of how that affects you know a huge part of the user base and what that will mean so yeah I feel like I've got a really pessimistic outcome on it that's how I feel. I'll bring us some positive vibes to close off then, just, just, just to kind of bring us some, some good bits and bobs. Apparently some good bits and bobs have happened when it comes to the world of accessibility. Small tweaks, but can have a big impact. Can you tell us more? Can you be our, our spokesperson of the good news today? I absolutely can. So accessibility, I love it. And especially on um, social media, it's so, so important. Um, YouTube and TikTok are rolling out new options for automated captions. And this in my book is just a win-win-win. Like they can't they can't do any wrong in this area because my biggest kind of um, pain point when I'm working with clients, whether they're uploading um, any video content on any platform, they're like, oh, do we have to consider subtitles? It's still like a big question. And I'm like, yes, you do. And then there's the time pain point and they're like well it's going to take ages to create that and oh what do they look like and we don't know how to upload them or we don't know do they have to be in a separate file and that can be a little bit like painful but the fact that YouTube and TikTok are working on improving and making this whole process easier of rolling out these auto-generated captions makes me so happy because it means there's no excuse you don't even have to think about it of course I'd always recommend just going through and checking for any words it's misheard or anything like that but this to me is great I just I'm I'm really I'm really happy about this (laughs) especially with TikTok because so I always go on about TikTok is a sound on experience blah 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 but people do want to watch it without the sound on and at the moment that's not really possible but this is moving in that direction so I think it will have a big impact because you're not going to sound you're not going to subtitle like the trending sounds so you might still lose out on that. But still, talking to camera, making it as easy as possible. Yes, I'm very happy. <laughs> I agree with that as well. I just wanted to add, actually, because I think when you see somebody talking to camera, it's almost, you almost start looking for the captions. I mean, I'm a unique example in which uh, we have the captions on because my husband is deaf and also because... As a second language person, when I came to the UK, I needed caption. I need I needed subtitles just to help me out, feeling confident in what I was doing. So now they just help. Now I don't rely on them, but I look at them, and I find that so many of us are used to them on other platforms. And so being able to replicate that, I think, is very important. So I couldn't agree more. If you do your own, great. If you don't, it's almost like you have no more excuses. And I love the fact I'm just waiting for like LinkedIn is really going on video now, so I'm hoping they're also going to release that as well really soon because they're really pushing video and so it's it's time for captions linkedin we're waiting for it right and linkedin's a really good example of it being a painful process because when you upload videos you can upload a separate file but they kind of hide that option away and it's not obvious at all and then you you go ahead you post the video and then you realize oh haven't added captions and they don't have the auto caption feature at all like you say so it's like hopefully this will prompt a, a movement that auto captions are just the standard because they need to be and why why shouldn't they be you know you would think oh we're gonna have videos on our platforms we'll make subtitles available but no 
Well, we gave you some good and we gave you some bad this week. I thought it was a good balance. Uh, so I want to hear your good and bad news for the last couple of weeks or what are you excited about? You can do that, obviously, for us at Alt Marketing School on Instagram, Alt Mark School on Twitter. If you want to say hi and spread all the Twitter rage with Becca, where should they find you? You can find me at Becca Social on all the platforms. And you can say hi to me as well and wear a hat with me at Fab Giovanetti on every single social platform. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.